Hey guys, it's Lori here. Just letting you know that this episode is brought to you by the Christian Standard Bible. Learn more at csbible.com. Hello and welcome to the Hole in My Heart podcast. This is episode 184, What God Has to Say About Our Bodies. Yes, hello. Welcome to that Hole in My Heart podcast where we talk about how the gospel is good news for everybody, <laughs> every day. Does that work, guys? I am your host, Lori Krieg, and I have alongside me my favorite licensed therapist and Argyle aficionado, my husband, Matt Krieg. Hello. How are you doing today? Doing okay. That's good. And we do have with us the ever-faithful and most professional radio voice among us, producer Steve. Hi, guys. Hey, Steve. How are you today? I am uh, I maybe could use a little more coffee. Yeah, I'm feeling that too. I'm, I'm good. Yeah. yeah. I know. Did you ever do like the half cup drink and then you're like, needed another like yeah. you accidentally didn't finish the first round yes did that happen to you today too i think maybe i i've got it <laughs> sitting over in my other studio i don't know why i didn't bring it in here yeah i literally was thinking that yeah. as we had the conversation today which was a really good one and mm. honestly i was really grateful for it that you guys are going to hear in just a second with sam alberry where we talk about our bodies we talk about gender matt you asked him that question mm-hmm. about is there a list of what it means yep. to be feminine and masculine? I want that list. You guys are just going to have to wait to hear what he says, as well as how can we uh, walk with people who are wrestling with gender dysphoria? And I know we've talked about that a lot. I just appreciate how he engages the conversation. Sam Alberry is who we're talking about. Uh, how he engages the conversation with gentle wisdom. Gentle wisdom. So guys, we are so excited to introduce to you today and welcome back to the show sam alberry matt why don't you introduce him today Ooh. let's let you do the bio yeah sam alberry speaks around the world as a preacher and apologist and is part of the leadership team at emmanuel nashville he is the author of seven myths about singleness and why does god care who i sleep with and the book we will be exploring today what god has to say about our bodies yeah welcome back sam Hey, thanks for having me. It's always nice to be invited back to something. That's always a good sign. So thank you. Well, take it as the good sign that it is. We so appreciate you. And we're going to jump into uh, a little different around here. We're not doing our goofy stuff that we often do. Although the last time you're here, we did uh, get a picture of your Star Wars socks. I hope you're um, (laughs) rocking those again today. I am. I am wearing Star Wars socks today. Who's on there? Um, Actually, today it's just the logo that says... Star Wars, unimaginatively. So um, no characters today, I'm afraid. Well, we still appreciate that. Okay. It's approved. It is approved. Uh, Well, the reason that we do this podcast is to talk about how the gospel is good news for everyone every day. And so uh, we would just love to hear how has the gospel, if it is, now this is Keller slash Kurt Thompson editing our question to make it more loving focused than sin focused so they can duke it out in heaven if that's a thing. I mean, new heavens and new earth. Okay, here's the gospel question. If I'm more loved than I imagine, yet more sinful than I believe, how has the gospel been good news for you lately, Sam? It's, um, the thing I keep coming back to is it's it's safe for God to know the worst things about me. Mm. And so... Any day of the week when I'm feeling weighed down by those things, I can I can come before him. I can talk to him about them. It's okay to bring them to him now. I don't need to fear him finding out what I'm really like. I mean, he knows anyway, but I don't have to fear bringing 
the real me with all my mess into the presence of God. That that is just a gift. I I, I had to kind of re-preach the gospel to myself every day to help me do that. But um, that feels fresh and new and life-giving every day. Mm. There's about 25 layers to that, I'm sure, in your life and all of our lives. We can just sit there for a while. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you. And and we want to we wanna jump in to the book that you wrote, What God Has to Say About Our Bodies. Good job holding it up, Lori. Um, <laughs> if you're watching the video, you see that. Um, but <laughs> Sam, why does God care about our bodies? Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, and the the, the wonderful news is he does. And of course he does because he made them. They were his idea. Um, and he his plans for us now and in the future for eternity involves our bodies. So we we mustn't think they're just some temporary expedient for for right now and are just a regrettable sort of thing that we have to 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 kind of make do with. Actually, they've always been part of God's gifting creation to us they're not mm. always an easy gift or a straightforward gift but it is a blessing to be embodied we are meant to be embodied mm. why you know you talk about in your book like we are our bodies like you talk about it being a part of ourselves why is it ourself and not some separate piece of us because that's kind of the language that we keep hearing so like why why is our body ourself Sounds like such a dumb question, but why? Yeah, no, it's it's such a key question because certainly the, the sort of cultural oxygen we're all breathing at the moment is that I am who I feel myself to be deep down inside and my, my body is is largely incidental and irrelevant to that. Mm -hmm. And if, if my body doesn't fit who I feel like I am, then my body needs to be brought into line. So... Um, yeah, there was that the, the recent uh, Hollywood star, now now called Elliot Page, if I got the name right, yes. mm -hmm. Page. Yep. Um, you know, came out as, as transgender. Did an interview with with Oprah, um, which has got to be that's got to be the secular equivalent of, of, of baptism, right? Is you have an interview with Oprah. That's the, sort yes. of your public. Mm. Here I now am as a as a anyway. <laughs> but but one of the sort of moving things in that interview was where Elliot said that post all the surgery, post all the um, the kind of transition stuff, looking in the mirror at the new body and saying, now at last that's me, where the previous sort of version of the body presumably hadn't felt like it was. So there, there is this strong cultural current saying to us, your, your body might not actually be who you are. And yes. if that's the case, you need to your body needs to catch up with your inner sense of identity. But actually, it's it's about page, actually literally page two of the Bible that, that gives us a very different approach because as we see the creation of Adam, it's it's so obvious, but I, I didn't notice this for years. God doesn't make a soul called Adam mm. and then find a, a something physical to put him into. God creates the 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 you know physicality of Adam and then breathes life into into that uh, physicality and Adam comes to life. So we're not, as we so often think we are, kind of embodied souls. We are uh, animated flesh. 
And so mm. we, we can't assume that there is the inner me is prior to and more significant than the sort of physical me, as if the physical me is the sort of later thing that came along and is, is very junior in significance. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it almost seems like, and, and I'm going to be trying to go back to like freshman year philosophy class, so that was a while ago. Um, but wasn't like in the ancient Greek culture, wasn't one of the prevailing mindsets like this duality be between spirit and body and that the physical world was like the, the bad and that that spiritual realm was much more like the, the good. And, and it seems like we've almost moved back into that type of space. I think we have. And it's 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 natural to I me. Mean, that was the default setting in the ancient world. It was only those kind of weird nerdy Christian and Jewish people who had a worldview that gave physicality intrinsic worth and value. Um, everybody else was into thinking that kind of elevated the, the spiritual over the physical and made the, the point of religion, your philosophy, whatever it was, to get out of the yucky physical and into the sort of purity of, of the spiritual. So that that's always been, I think, the sort of the default setting. And as a, as a as Western culture gets more pagan, and I, I don't mean that in a pejorative sense, but as we get more pagan in our thinking, that's that of course is going to be what we end up defaulting back into. It it sort of feels more intuitive when you take a physically creating God out of the picture. Mm -hmm. So so with that in mind, how how do you walk alongside someone who says, you know, I was born in the wrong body, or how do you walk with someone who identifies as trans? Yeah, well, I think that the key is the way you just worded that. This, this is someone to walk with. Um, it's not someone to, um, you know, give your hot take to and then disappear. This is, in, in almost every case, that, that's going to be someone who's in a world of pain. Um, any trans person I've had the, the privilege of, of spending time with has articulated a, a story that has been deeply painful. Um, to have that feeling, that sense of being in the wrong flesh is, is yeah, agony. Um, it's not an agony I've, I've known, and so I, I, I don't want to take it lightly. I want to spend time doing everything I can to understand what it's like for them being them. Um, but I hope over a long period of time that it, it might be possible to at, at least give them good reasons um, to hesitate before simply thinking the solution to this is, is kind of redoing my, my anatomy, redoing my, my physical body. Um, I'd, I'd want them to know that that there's a there's a physical brokenness, a bodily brokenness to all of us. Um, it might not be the same. I might not know what they they're going through, but we're all dealing with bodies that are not straightforward. Um, so there's a I hope there's a, a sense of solidarity there that any Christian would feel with any trans person. I don't have to have experienced what they're experiencing to to care about what they're going through and to feel for them. Um, but I'd also want in the right kind of way and, and the right kind of time to try to say to them that 
with all of our bodily brokenness, that the solution is not we fix our own bodies. Uh, the solution is always ultimately the the broken body of Jesus. That That is where hope is found. Um, if we try and fix our own way out of this, it, it just won't be enough. It won't give us that sense of wholeness and fullness and authenticity that we're we're craving because actually the problem is deeper than merely feeling out of sorts with our body as profound as that is mm. but i'm assuming if you're if you're journeying with someone on that that could you know we're talking potentially years of yeah. of walking with someone and uh praying for them and talking with them and i hope being a understanding and supportive friend that's been our experience in walking with trans friends is it's, you know, we may have through prayer and study, like this is our sense about what is best is, you know, biological is alignment with your biological sex. But that's years. And I love the tender way with which you're speaking. You don't, you're not using empathy or sympathy or understanding to be like, well, we all have problems to negate their pain. Well, I don't, I don't like my body, so you should just deal with your. It, it, from what I'm hearing you say, it sounds like the understanding gives you greater empathy to walk longer with them. Am I understanding I you so. right? Yeah, yeah, I ideally hope so. That's that's the the aim in all of this. So, can you talk about the relationship between shame and bodies? It, it seems like. There's a there's a high correlation in your study. What did you find? Yeah, it's. I mean, I'd always known there are people who are ashamed of their body, um, and most people experience that to some degree. Sometimes it's in a relatively sort of to a small extent. I I don't like the color of my hair or or something like that. Sometimes it can be a much more profound life dominating feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, I started working on all of this in about 2016, and most of my, a lot of my thinking comes out of conversations and just meeting people and pastoral ministry. And it's been astonishing to me anytime anyone said, oh, what are you working on at the moment? And I said, oh, you know, thinking about our attitudes to our bodies and what the Bible says about that. People have been very, very open with me about their own issues with their bodies. And I spend most of my pastoral ministry, unsurprisingly, with with men more than with women. Um, I think generally people, are, you know, there's a, there's a sort of general assumption that the body shame can be a particular issue among women. Mm. Um, but uh, I just had guy after guy after guy after guy expressing some form of feeling as though they're not all that they're supposed to be physically um, sometimes they're, they're putting that in terms of, I don't feel like I, I look like what I'm supposed to look like. Mm. Sometimes it would be in the broader categories of, I don't feel like I'm enough of a man in our culture's eyes. And they would then point to some physical trait of, of some kind. Um, but it, it surprised me how widespread that was. I mean, I've had my own experiences of that over the years, um, but it's easy to think, well, I'm the odd one out. Everyone else seems kind of okay with with their own attitude to these things. But it's 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 nearly universal. It really is. It's that widespread. Mm. And again, the, the the Bible 
helps us understand why that is the case, not in every individual instance, but as a, as a general, generality where we live in a creation that Paul says has been subjected to frustration and our, our bodies are part of that physical creation. And so there's going to be, there's going to be non-straightforwardness with our bodies. You, you factor in the fact that for each one of us, our bodies have been both a vehicle for sin and in, in very many cases, our bodies have been an area where, where we've experienced the sin of others. Mm. And for all of those factors and many others, that, that can feed into some kind of shame. So it might be shame about appearance. It may just be shame about what's been done to us, how we've been sinned against in our bodies that can make us feel as though the shame for that is, is on, our, on our end of it. Hey, Matt, have you noticed? I've been using a different Bible lately. I have. Is it a CSB? Yes, it's a Christian Standard Bible. It's the She Reads Truth one. Are you telling me that you don't just talk about the CSB on ads like this, but you actually read it? <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> I do actually read it. I'm reading the She Reads Truth one every day now for a bunch of reasons, but the biggest one is I love the margins. I love writing the date and some prayers and real life stuff in it. Do you write about me in there? Um, yes. Like, thank you, Jesus, for how awesome my husband is, dated every day of my life? Um, no. <laughs> okay, seriously, guys listening, I am loving not only the margins where I can write only gratitude to the Lord for my awesome husband, Matt. But I love that it was edited by women and the devotionals in it are actually uplifting and not fluffy or patronizing. And the timelines, each book of the Bible has this timeline that helps me to understand what's happening in this book in relationship to the rest of the canon of the Bible. Okay, fine. That's fine. <laughs> Even if you write real stuff about me in it. Okay, well, you can get one too and write real life prayers about me in it. You know your girl needs them. Yeah, well, I need them too. <laughs> so where can I get this Bible or another Bible like it? Well, you can find the She Reads Truth Bible or any of the CSB versions by hitting up csbible.com. You can ask the gender question, Matt. <laughs> We're just going all over the, yeah. the body map. Well, I mean, because, yeah, gender is gender is hard. And, and you give this example of like some of the shame, especially that that these men you were talking to were expressing of just not not being man enough, quote unquote. And, um, you know, and there's some gender kind of normative stereotypes, I guess, that that we tend to think of when it comes to mm. being masculine or being feminine. And, you know, it would be great if there was just like a list of, of what that all meant. Um, you know, but in, in your work, like how, how do you, how do you define masculinity and femininity? Like, is there, is there a list? And if not, why not? Cause that'd be so much easier. So much, you know, easier. but I find that so many people that, that at least I work with tend to define themselves by what they are not rather than, yeah. than what they are. Yeah. It's actually, it's quite difficult. Um, because we, again, we want to be to say, well, let, let's sort of boil down what are the particularities to being a man versus being a woman that are, you know, obviously 
other than our biological differences? What is it? What does masculinity look like? Um, the, the short answer to that question is it's not very satisfying, but it has to be true, which is that the more you 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 shove Holy Spirit into a biological male, the more what will result will be biblical masculinity. And and similarly for, for a woman. Um, so what biblical masculinity is can't be less than being Christ-like as a man. And it's interesting. I, I keep coming back to the fact that the, the fruit of the Spirit is given to men and women alike, as is expected of men and women alike. We tend to, through cultural influences, sort of almost divvy up the fruit of the Spirit and say, well, those four are for men, those four are for women, and we can share the ninth one together. Um, and we tend to assume things like gentleness, that's more of a, a trait of femininity, um, but actually, no, that's a trait of someone who is filled with the Spirit. Mm. So that there is no excuse for a man failing to be gentle when, when called to be. And there's no excuse for a Christian man failing to esteem gentleness as, as a trait and as a virtue. And if you sort of turn it into something that's meant to be for the women and not meant to be for men, you are actually at that very point going against the spirit of God in your own, in your own life. Um, so it's, it's hard to sort of pinpoint very specific things that would work for all cultures and, and all times. Um, I, I talk in the book about an insight that I, I learned from Jen Wilkin that she has since told me she learned from Hannah Anderson, mm -hmm. uh, which I think makes a lot of sense that, that, that women are more likely to be empathetic than men are because men, and this is obviously in very general terms, are, are stronger than, than women. There is often a, a, a feeling of, of vulnerability you're more likely to find in women than you are likely to find in men in very general terms, which, which again would, would, would explain why women tend to be more consensus-driven and empathetic and emotionally intelligent and men tend to be less so. Not that women are always that, and that men are never that, but that that makes sense to me of of some some traits like that. But again, those things are not absolute, and they're not exclusive. Mm. And so, you know, I'm someone who would I, I think I am quite empathetic and consensus uh, building. Um, I don't feel like I'm letting the team down by being that way, but. Um, so I, none, of the, none of these are things that sh I think we're meant to prescribe to one another. Mm -hmm. I think all we're really meant to worry about is being, is being Christ-like and, and bearing the fruit of the Spirit. And somehow in the, in the mysterious way that God seems to pull off with these things, as a, as a woman becomes more like Jesus and as a man becomes more like Jesus, they don't necessarily become more like each other. Hmm. There, there just seem to be two ways in which God can make people more Christ-like. There's a sort of masculine way and a feminine way. And sometimes we sort of see it and we recognize it, but we would never quite better put our finger on it. Um, and it, it can be very hard to, de to define. Hmm. Yeah. Well, and I'm actually really, really glad you kind of went this direction, you know, talking about gentleness and, and men and like, one of the things that, and this is just for me and Lori, for our relationship together, um, being that I am bigger 
that I am stronger, I am more physically powerful than than Lori. I I need I, I have the call to steward my strength with with gentleness toward her physically. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and and in the same way, Lori can I mean she can run circles around me just emotionally and, <laughs> and being able to to identify and express and and process through emotional things. And if she wasn't mm-hmm. to to then turn around and and steward that strength toward me with gentleness. I mean, I, you know, it could, she could just cut me emotionally and just leave me like completely catatonic in in that. And so I think that, you know, that gentleness that, yeah, we have our giftings as individuals, but we are called to steward them with the gifts of the spirit. And, And I just really like how you laid out that gentleness piece because it's something that we're all called to be. And what you've just described is, is, it's cruciformity. It's saying, here's, here's an area where I have a type of power that the other person doesn't. And so it, 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 my obligation as a Christian is to steward that in a way that dies to self and, you know, puts the other person's needs before my own. And it's beautiful to hear you describe how that's something both of you are trying to do in the mm-hmm. in the different ways that you each have strengths that the other one does not. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the worldly way is to take a strength and use it to assert and uh, kind of lord it over others, as Christ said. But we're meant to use a strength to serve, which is why I think this is such a, a, a topical conversation, because there seems to be, even within the, the Christian world, a kind of resurgence of men have got to kind of eschew gentleness. A lot of people are in culture warrior mode because of the way politics has gone. And there's a sort of, I'm seeing a renewed disdain for things like gentleness. Um, we just got to go in there, throw our elbows around, swing some punches and get it done. Um, and there's a kind of unhealthy kind of chest thumping kind of thing going on with this, which is not using strength in a cruciform way, but using it in a in a way that's expedient rather than Christ-like. And that, that concerns me. It's just not manly. Oh, snap. So I there's something going on in my heart that I'm trying to listen to while we're talking. And it's, uh, I'm picturing what you just said. Because I was thinking when you're talking about gender, I was like, okay, the opposite is happening. There is just this like everyone's we've been talking about extremism for at least two years, if not four, if not, I don't know, at least four. And I'm seeing that in all like you're saying with gender, uh, not everywhere, but in a lot of places, especially in evangelical circles, maybe, but maybe everywhere also. But then two, this disdain for our bodies and wanting to shift. So I guess the question I'm trying to ask is like, what are you, and I don't know how charismatic you are, Sam, but here we are. What is going on in the spiritual world? Like, why is it like, are we just selfish and COVID brought that up and made us all rage balls? Like, what are you sensing is going on spiritually that we're going to extremism, especially when it comes to gender, and there is an attack on our bodies? Yeah, it's. Um, I, I think COVID has accelerated these things. I think mm. they were. We were already trending in that direction, um, and, and COVID just hit fast forward for us. Okay. Um, with all the caveats of, 
I'm not going to claim to be a prophet or the son of a prophet. Exactly. Yes, yes. Um, it, it's interesting that we've had the sexual revolution and, and that we're still, I think, only just coming to terms with the, the sort of the wreckage that has left in its wake. Right. I think what we're seeing now is is more, in my mind, more ominous because our being male and female is so significant to how we image God. This is one of the big things I learned writing this book was um, really just how to read Genesis 1 verse 27. <laughs> right. Because, you know, in the image, in his image, God created him, male and female, he created them. And right the very first moment God talks about image, he then foregrounds our being made male and female, that those two things are bound up together. Our, the fact that we are made as sexually differentiated uh, with all the other things that, that that leads to is bound up with how we are to image God. And so in the spiritual kind of realm, it's it's hard for me to see this as anything other than if you can't topple the ruler, the next best thing you can do is attack his image. Hmm. So when a country is going through a revolution and they can't physically get their hands on the leader, the next thing they do is they get an image of the leader and attack that instead. Hmm. And it feels like that is what is going on with, with Western culture, at least at the moment. It, right. It's, it's a, an attack on our very humanity, hmm. which we're all, broadly speaking, in the Western world, happy to, to kind of assist and aid, but not realizing we're, we're attacking our own good. Um, and I've, I've got friends who've, who've kind of done the direction of travel from evangelical to very much affirming of, of trans ideology and, and so forth. And a very, a very aggressive in that, in that stance. And it, I just sort of think, and they, they would, they would, they think in their heart of hearts that I'm being harmful okay. to humanity with the convictions I hold as a Christian, and I, I believe in my heart of hearts, that ideology is is incredibly, is incredibly harmful for us because it's going against the grain of, of how a good God has made us, and that that just can't end well. No. So we, I mean, we, we carry with us. You know, as as you said, in our the brokenness in our bodies, we carry this kind of longing for heaven, for 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 new creation. And you know, sometimes when people get to the point of like I'm done, I give up. You know, it might look like I'm transitioning. It might look like, well, I'm I have these longings in my body, so I'm gonna go sleep with that person, or I'm done with my marriage. I'm done trying to make it work. You know, and and often these these can be tied to like a physiological almost yearning within us. Like why, why do you think that is? Why, why do we chase those yearnings and just say, I give up on, on God and what he, you know, maybe what he has called me to or, or what he, how he has designed my, mm -hmm. my use of my body. Yeah. It's a very, it's a very complex matter because, what we're seeing is is evidence of two things at the very same time. We're seeing evidence of the fact that we are made in God's image, and we're seeing evidence of the fact that we're fallen in in the way that that we now are. The very yearning itself is a reflection that we're made in God's image. That yearning for we sense there should be more than there is. That there should be a um, 
a sense of wholeness and of satisfaction and completion that seems to elude us. And, you know, my pet cat doesn't seem to, to have that kind of angst. That seems unique to us. Uh, we seem to have that capacity for feeling as though there's there's got to be more to life than this. There's got to be more to being me than this. Um, but the fact that we're fallen means that our understanding of that is incomplete and our ways forward with that feeling are, are very twisted and skewed as well. And so we we half diagnose a problem, but then we go chasing down the wrong pathways to try and fix it. And so for many people, it's it's sexual fulfillment is the, is the kind of um, what's in vogue now as, as the way forwards on that front. That's, that's going to be the thing that most sounds like it could give me a feeling of completeness and wholeness. Um, for, for dear folks who are wrestling with some kind of gender dysphoria, it really feels like, well, if I just sort of do this and do that and change this and change that, that will be what gives me that feeling of everything's okay now. But but because the issue is so much deeper than those things, neither of those things actually delivers what we need it to, which, which adds to the tragedy because you then, in the instance of someone who's trans, can go through such a physically demanding transition that, you know, is, is extremely invasive, um, come out the other end of it. And if you're not feeling a hundred percent authentic and whole and complete, you're not back to square one. You're back, you're somewhere worse because now the one thing that you thought was going to be your grounds for hope hasn't delivered. Mm. And so I'm, I'm sure that's why we're seeing such, awful rates of, you know, extreme mental health problems and suicide amongst those who have gone through a transition because it felt like this was going to fix this deep, painful wound within me. And yet it may have improved things, but here I still am, still not feeling fully right yet. And we know as Christians that's because that fully right thing is 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 far more than our bodies it's far more than anything else and we we can't get to the root of it ourselves Mm. i try and encourage parents that i meet with i'm like it's a fact that your kid was made by god and it's a fact that they're made for god Mm. so you don't have to bite your nails and and even though there's you know there's pain as they're watching their child engage in xyz i'm like you you can take that to the bank. You don't have to fear that somehow they've missed God making them and calling them. He's still calling. Hmm. Yeah, and I guess I'm say this is a non-parent, but I'm presuming as well there's a comfort to parents to thinking it must be easy for a parent to think, well, that must be my fault my child isn't right. <laughs> right. fully complete and you know right. perfect and, and all the rest of it to think, no, no, there's – I could have been doing everything right as a parent. They would still be fallen. Yeah. Yep. Um, <laughs> so true. Matt's nodding for all the parents he represents <laughs> as the therapist who meets with a lot of parents. That is one of the primary questions that comes out is, did, did, I, did I hurt my kid 
you know, and, and somehow make this a reality in their life. Like, and the answer is sure. You've hurt your kid, but I have no idea like how it, it went kind of this direction or landed here. And, and I mean, it's, it, it's not even just the gender piece. It's not even just sexuality. It's like anytime there's a parent in my office, it seems like they're just concerned. Like how, how, how am I affecting yeah. my kids' ability to live a, what we consider a thriving life, you know, and it's just, there's a lot of weight. A lot of weight. Yeah. Okay. I have a question. This is basically because I probably need therapy, but <laughs> you talk about uh, caring for our bodies and then offering them as a living or reasonable sacrifice in Romans 12. So I think, you know, if you engage the LGBT conversation publicly, you're, you're going to get kicked back. So Matt and I've been doing this six years and we've, there's, there's pain. I am not going to use the word persecution. I'm just saying there's pain that can lead to physical pain at times in our own bodies, which is mostly psychosomatic, but still. So I think I'm personally wrestling with, and I'm sure there's those in the audience who, whatever your cause is that you're picking up and you're daily putting yourself out there. There's a question of how much is, mean to my body and self which are one and the same and how much is a reasonable sacrifice for the lord how do you walk that line yeah it's 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 a really it's a great question um because we you know you think about what paul physically went through in the course of his ministry the the lashings the shipwrecks the everything else is that clearly was the right thing to do. That was it was worth his body receiving those things for the sake of the ministry Paul knew he was called to, um, planting those churches, establishing Christian communities, writing half the New Testament for us. Um, that was worth the absolute kicking he he received so many times. Um, so there, there was nothing reckless about Paul going through those things. Um, and he even knew in some cases that this was likely going to be what was going to happen next. Um, and he still went ahead with it. Um, the, the difference, I think, between Paul and us is, well, <laughs> Paul and me, I won't implicate anyone <laughs> else in me. this, is most, most of the areas where, it, for me, I, I'm just lazy and neglect bodily health. It's not that I'm, you know, for, through the cause of Christ, receiving lashes and, and right. all the rest of it. I'm just sort of not very good at being careful about what I eat and getting exercise and that kind of thing. Um, so for most of us, I'm guessing physical stewardship is more a matter of daily self-control than it is you're doing too much, putting yourself on the line for the Lord. Um, but at the same time, it's also worth thinking through if – for the sake of how each of us has an opportunity to declare our allegiance to Christ and to serve him to the extent that that has a physical cost, it's worth thinking through, well, um, is this the kind of cost where it's wise just to, to keep doing it? And if I, if I drop dead in 10 years, so be it. Mm. Uh, or is it one of those things where it's wise to think, well, why don't I moderate what I'm doing here so that actually I've got potentially 30 years of, of ministry in the tank and not 10. Mm. 
that's a, I think that's a wisdom call, isn't it? Um, yeah. Some people don't get the choice. If you're living in, in North Korea, you're, you're not sort of thinking, well, you know, one of my options here, you, you just, that's where you are. And you may, that may just be the, the, the fruit of your calling to stand for Christ there. But for those of us where there are, there are choices available to us, um, I think it's, it's worth factoring in physical cost to how we make a decision. It doesn't mean it's always determinative, um, but we would be unwise to ignore it. And we need the input of other people and, and friends and people who are wiser to help us to know whether we are, you know, either being weak to our calling by saying, I'm going to avoid that physical cost or whether we, we might be being Stop trying to be a hero. Actually, you don't have to be doing that <laughs> six days a week mm. to have the impact that you're hoping to have. So I don't think there's one easy answer to that question, but it, it's a really good, I, I'm sure it's the right question to ask. Thank you. <laughs> See that. <laughs> I think sometimes wisdom isn't, I know the answers, but I'm no. getting better at the questions. <laughs> yeah, well, that's right. I'll, yep, mm -hmm. that's really good. Yeah. But before we close, we just have one last question for you, Sam. Um, why is Jesus still worth following in 2021? Oh, I think he's every, everything 2021 about 2021 makes Jesus even more worth following. Um, mm. Because we, we seem to be certainly where you and I are, are from and, and operating. There seems to be a lot more crazy around us and I need Jesus more because it's 2021 than I did five years ago. Um, because he's, he's, I'm going to misquote Matthew 11, where Jesus says, is it wisdom is known by her children? There's something self-authenticating about the wisdom of Jesus Christ. And the more culturally we find ourselves straying from that wisdom, the more that wisdom then becomes just, it commends itself. Uh, I think, in greater measure. So seeing Jesus, who is not afraid of flipping over a table when that's the right thing to do, but also knows how to not break a bruised reed. Right. Um, we, we will go veering off the both wrong ends of that, that kind of decision each and every time. Yeah. Um, so the more I see how he interacts with challenging, complicated situations, the more I think, I I need I need him. I need someone who's like that yeah. um running my life. I'm I'm not gonna do a better job of this without him. Um and just the, the rest that he promises us, um, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden. It, life in the Western world in twenty twenty one, most of us are not worrying about where the next meal is gonna come from. Some will be, but for many of us that's not the issue. But it feels nevertheless more burdening and wearisome than it did a few years ago just mm. trying to do life <laughs> yeah. and jesus anticipates that he gets that and he doesn't give us coping strategies he doesn't give us rules for life he doesn't give us how to be highly effective in in this cultural moment he just gives us rest he gives us rest in himself and I'm I'm more aware of my need for that now than I would have been, you know, a couple of years ago. Mm. And for that reason, I can be thankful for 
at least in that aspect, how God is using the the kind of this exhausting season that we seem to be in. Mm. It just makes Jesus more beautiful. So true. Oh, thank you for sharing that. And uh, for this book, how can people find it? What God has to say about our bodies? Where can people find it? And you? Um, yeah, the book, I, I think, is in places where books normally hang out. So Amazon has it, TGC Bookstore, other online places. Um, and if there's a physical bookshop somewhere still left, <laughs> they might have it too. You never know. Yeah. Um, it's available. It's an audio book as well. I, I know that because I read it. So Good for job. those who prefer the audio to these things uh, or ebooks and all that kind of stuff. Um, as for, for me, I've, I have a website that I almost never update. So if you want to know what I was doing and thinking and writing four years ago, go to samwilbury.com and maybe that will motivate <laughs> me to update what I'm actually doing. Um, but they can probably find you on Twitter, Instagram. Yeah, I, I hang out a bit on Twitter. Um, I tend to do a lot of writing for, for TGC. Um, yep working a lot with Emmanuel Nashville. So somewhere around all of those things, you'll run into me somewhere. Well, thanks for hanging with us here on the podcast. Uh, you are a delight and a gift to the church. So thanks for being you. Oh, it's just a, it's a pleasure to be with you guys. It's really lovely to, to come back. So glad to have you and your Star Wars socks. <laughs> <laughs> Always. <laughs> Seriously, guys, go check out what God has to say about our bodies. Find Sam Alberry on well, you're just going to have to do some hunting and gathering to find him. But I see him on Instagram. He posts some nice uh, pictures and he is on Twitter as well. But mostly, guys, just go live out and spread the good news of the gospel in your embodied self in a world desperate and hungry for him. Thank you again to Sam Alberry and for all of us here at the Hold My Heart podcast. We will see you next week.